When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I take tidbits because there's so many little coaching points that I learned from guys like Julio, man. Like there's a couple points that I've used with my players in the past that when you sit in a meeting room and you go through practices so, so much with the same group of guys over and over, like it's human nature that it's not like a lack of respect thing, but it's human nature for especially kids in college with so many distractions. Like you're only going to take so much knowledge and then it's just natural that some things just go above your head, no matter how good the info that your coach is telling you. Right. So there's things that I kind of keep in the back pocket that a guy like Julio Jones he taught me a few things and I'll eventually over time when it's necessary, I throw those out to guys. And it's cause like sometimes you gotta keep guys on their toes, but at the same time, when they hear those names mentioned, you learn something from those guys, then it's like, oh. Today is our last in our series of Teachable Moments on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. It's been an incredible series and joining me to set up and discuss this final one is our host, Steve Hauser of Teach Tape. Steve, uh, again, I think this has been tremendous in what you've brought to the table and the conversations that have been had and some vulnerable moments and, and advice that's come from all of these conversations. Oh, Keith, appreciate the, the platform to put it out there. And you know what the biggest takeaway was is every time I hang up these conversations and we, we stop the record button, like guys are smiling, right? It's good to catch up. It's it's organic. It, it's There's no intention right other than just being another member of that community so that's what's really nice is finding a reason to again just be a human and not be all ball all the time because at some point you got to exhale there's a life outside of the office if you can believe that sometimes I mean obviously there's a lot of pressure and everyone puts a lot into it and it's important but just knowing that other guys have lived those struggles can resonate with it and have grown from it and that's what we've seen is is that you have brought kind of a balance to what we see in the office with the rest of life that goes on around football and being a coach. And we've got another great one today with David Glidden. So set us up on this one as far as who is Coach Glidden and some of the things that we're going to hear in this conversation. Yeah, I felt like this was a great one to wrap us up, Keith, because this was like a full circle moment for me. You know, my first year as a, as a GA working with the offense was Glidden's redshirt freshman year. I left, I came back, and then he was the old dog in the room as a redshirt senior. So he's a guy that admittedly didn't think he wanted to coach. Was a, you know, crafty inside receiver. You think of those Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, Big 12, little slot twitchy receivers. That's exactly who he was. Scrappy, little 22-year-old mustache, and, you know, just enjoying life. And you know, now he's coaching and, and seeing the highs and lows of, man, I got a great chance at Memphis, right? He talked about Kenny Dillingham pulling him out of the high school ranks to go out there and learn, you know, Coach Norvell's system moving into a full-time role after that staff kind of split from Florida State to Memphis. And, you know, now coming back to his alma mater as a, you know, kind of offensive analyst, 
in a place that he played. And there's a lot of structure in that building and, you know, different ways to run a program and just really appreciating all the different experiences he's had as a player and a coach. That's another great one in the series. And I agree. Great wrap up to this series. So here's the conversation. Teachable moments with Steve Hauser and David Glidden. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. Guys, ready to, ready to roll here. We've got David Glidden coming in from Oklahoma State. Been a bunch of different places. Had a great career at Oklahoma State. That's where I met him as a receiver. Punt returner guy. Coached at Memphis for the last few years with Norvell and then Coach Silverfield. And now is back kind of in between stints with jobs at Oklahoma State. Helping the running backs here. Glidden, appreciate you having the time to jump on. Always appreciate it, man. It's good to see you and uh, appreciate you having me. For real. Uh, all good. So it is you know, kind of full circle having David back here. My first year with the offense at Oklahoma State was his redshirt freshman year. So, I mean, maybe it's just me, but Glidden was one of those big 12 guys who are like, did he actually graduate yet? Like, when is this guy going to move forward, right? He's just been a presence in that inside receiver world at Oklahoma State for a long time. And, you know, Glidden, I was I was looking up the bio before I get jumped on, but like Gatorade player of the year in Oklahoma, that's no small feat with the other guys that have come out of there at a high level. Talk to me a little bit when you finish your playing career at Oklahoma State, the training camp experience with the Falcons, and then coming back and coaching high school ball, right? How did you make that jump from, let's just call it a well-established player at a high level of football, coming back to your hometown high school to start your coaching career? Yeah, it was honestly really cool. I think to this day that going back to the high school ranks was, I think, one of the best things for me in my coaching career that ever happened. Like Oklahoma State was great, man. I love Stillwater, love the program. Everything it is, everything gave me the opportunity to do. And then the quick stint in Atlanta and everything I was able to learn there was phenomenal. And then as soon as I went back home, I saw I got cut from Atlanta. I went back home and I uh, didn't really know what I was going to do. Got an opportunity just to kind of volunteer coach in my high school. Still had some connections with some people around there. And so when that opportunity had, man, it was like first, second day. I was out there just kind of feeling my way through it, seeing it was like, you know, they they were already a pretty established program, had some good players and were winning games and all that stuff. So I kind of stepped in the door and, and the head coach, he was not my head coach. He was the first head coach after the guy that I played for, but he welcomed me, man, with open arms and kind of just said, you know, we'd love to have you and step in where you feel like you can. And obviously we know where you've been, so you'll, you'll help out in those spots. And so, man, he gave me a huge opportunity. I was like, literally the first second day I came back home shoot I was back home living with my folks man I didn't you know I was figuring out what the heck I was gonna do you know so I went home I remember going home right after that telling my parents like well I think I found what I'm gonna do now it's just to figure out where it's gonna take me so from that day I knew I wanted to coach I always kind of told so coach Dunn our offense coordinator at Oklahoma 
State, who was my position coach here, I always told him, coaching is just not for me. He always told me it was, and, you know, go the GA route, come GA, and yada, yada, all that stuff. And I told him he was crazy. I was like, I'm just not going to do that. So I was like, I see the stuff that you got to put up with, man, and, and I love you. And all that stuff, but I'm just not going that route. And then day one out there coaching, got that opportunity and kind of just ran with it. Two years of high school ball and got an opportunity to go to Memphis. And, and here we are now. Tell me about the here we are now, because this podcast video, whatever you want to call it, is starting to turn into like the Oklahoma State reunion tour. And you finished up playing in 2015 in that Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss with Kimdichi and Swag Kelly. I mean, it was a totally different experience going down to New Orleans for all that. But now it's eight years later and you're a coach right? And you've had your life in between there, like, but there's still some really foundational pieces. Like you mentioned, Coach Dunn seen it all there. Coach Glass, obviously Coach Gundy, like, how is it now being a, a real deal grown up and having some staying power and going back to that environment from player to coach? Man, it's sweet. Like, extremely eye-opening right it's like as a player and especially when like you said like feeling like I was here forever and everything like five years here by your fourth fifth year here you know you feel like you kind of like figured it out in a sense of at least like knowing how the program works and all those things but there's so much that you take for granted and so many things behind the scenes that you take for granted like and I think even people get that perception of coach Gundy a little bit just been here so long and in a sense like the program runs itself it's so far from the truth man the work that these guys put in is awesome to come in here and see and kind of just be a fly on the wall now and kind of adjusting to a new role and all that stuff but watching these guys work from Gundy to Glass to Dunn and all the other position coaches and everybody that's here and shoot so many of them are here still from when I was here which in college football it's unheard of right just like position coaches hanging around that long there's a reason they stay Right. There definitely is. And and I see that now because obviously like winning games helps. That's a big deal. And and you look at the thing that they've had here for so long, it's special. And uh, I don't know how many straight bowl games it is, like 17 or something. Like it's something crazy, enough. right? Yeah, enough. Yeah, right. Like so it, that amount of success, there's a reason it happens. And now that I'm I'm in the building on this side, man, like like I said, it's just eye opening to see for one, like people relying on other people and trusting other people to to work and get their work done while at the same time truly having an atmosphere of like I mean family the word family and culture and all that stuff is thrown around so much in college football and it is what it is and some people like it some people don't to each their own it's fine but that goes somewhere around here for sure like those terms mean something around here and, and not just within the building but the family term that's pushed out to everybody else like you no know, go be with your family when you have kids to go spend time with them and watch their sporting events or whatever it might be you know to take the time to realize that the work-life balance is important and so but at the same time when you're here you're getting stuff done and and you're making sure it's productive when you are here. So it's been phenomenal, man, just for me seeing the way this thing works, going from player to coach now in here and just couldn't be more appreciative for an opportunity to step inside here in this role. But at the same time, just giving me an insight now to, to why it was so successful for so long and, and it's still rolling, you know, so these coaches are the best in the business, some of them around here, you know, so it's pretty cool to see and now get an opportunity to be around here, be around some of these guys on this side of it and learn from these guys in a whole new way is, is really cool. I'm going to bring you back in time for a little bit, right? So the five-year run as a player, a lot of different contributions. And, you know, I was the GA in that room when Glidden was finishing up, running the special teams, but helping with the receivers. And when David spoke up, people listened, right? Young guys in the room, coaches, you know, he's seen a lot of ball at that point. Like now you go into the Atlanta Falcons for a training camp and you're in the same receiver room as Julio Jones. And obviously your eyes wide open, taking notes, doing the dirty, the little work, like, what did you take from that experience that will always be a part of what you do moving forward? That's it, man. That's a really good question. Honestly, tidbits, like what teach tapes is, to be honest. <laughs> honestly, like I take tidbits 
because there's so many little coaching points that I learned from guys like Julio, man. Like there's a couple points that I've used with my players in the past that when you sit in a meeting room and you go through practices so, so much with the same group of guys over and over, like it's human nature that it's not like a lack of respect thing, but it's human nature for especially kids in college with so many distractions. Like you're only going to take so much knowledge and then it's just natural that some things just go above your head, no matter how good the info that your coach is telling you, right? So there's things that I kind of keep in the back pocket that a guy like Julio Jones he taught me a few things and I'll eventually over time when it's necessary, I throw those out to guys. And it's cause like, sometimes you got to keep guys on their toes, but at the same time, when they hear those names mentioned, you learn something from those guys. Then it's like, Oh, take give me, a step give back. Me a nugget, give guy. me a nugget, David. Was it in a meeting room of how to conduct yourself and watch tape? Was it how to work through moves and one-on-one? What was something that yeah. was like, just how to be a pro? One thing is like I teach my guys like so I was never a ball skill guy like I was a body catcher right whatever that is take it as you want the ball doesn't hit the ground it doesn't hit the ground but at the same time we teach like catch the ball with your hands keep your feet on the ground stay on the move all those things right because time is money if you want to be efficient all those things ball skill guys that's who you want at the receiver position but I'll never get sitting in the meeting room when Julio looked back at me and said man why are you catching when you jump the ball or why are you jumping when you catch the ball on whatever it is, you know, and I just said, man, I'd body catch or whatever. And he gave me a nugget that day of the reason of why I do that. And for guys that are, lack of better words, just not confident in their hands and the reason that is, and to this day that sticks with me, man. And so it was a, a very eye-opening moment for me. And it was something for me to, and coach Dunn was on me about it big time when I was here for sure. Right. We caught a million jugs, but like, it's just when the lights come on, you fall back on your habits for sure. And I'll never get Julio being on my butt about that in, in the meeting room is. And so it was an instant note for me and something I stuck in the back pocket, you know, and then even shoot catching punts with uh, Devin Hester while he was still there for a little bit of time, like getting back there with him and getting some nuggets from him and getting some nuggets from special teams coordinator was Keith Armstrong at that time. And so I'm just sitting back there with dudes catching punts after practice and everything they say, man, I'm just trying to soak it all in. So there was still some things, like I say, that like Devin Hester taught me back there catching punts, just how to utilize my eyes, how the ball's coming off the foot. You know, I had never really seen punters at that time. I had never seen punters, you know, face one direction and then totally punt it the opposite direction. Now, kickers are doing that in the NFL and college now all the time, so it's not that big a deal. But back then in college, that wasn't really that big a deal. Like, guys just weren't as good at doing that. But in the league, that was a thing, and they were freaking really good at it. So him teaching me the body language of a punter or when he was going to be true to the direction he was punting versus when he tell and by the leg swing of the punter that he knew it was going to be going the opposite way. So, like, all those type of things, man, were big-time nuggets. So being with those guys, was second to none man and not to mention that Kyle Shanahan was the OC at that time so you know being in the room with those guys and Mike LaFleur and Mike McDaniel were all there at the same time so I'll never forget like being around all those guys and their different coaching styles and just looking back on the way they all conducted themselves was big time that's a whole conversation in itself David we might have to revisit that another time yeah it Um, really is We're taking a quick timeout from Teachable Moments here, but don't hit that skip button because these 15 to 20 seconds here will save you some time in the future. Steve, tell us what you got going out to these high school and college programs with Teach Tapes. One sentence, Keith, it's pro football focus for drills, right? How do you do simpler, better, the things that you wish you had um, in those self-scouts from the winter, right? Footwork, aiming points, tackling, ball security, it's all trimmed up, cataloged. Anything you see on our Teach Tapes Twitter, it's the behind the scenes. It's the source of coming into your exos or huddle and making sure that it's available to your players in your cutups, right? That's what we've taken a lot of pride in is taking this open source information 
and making it digestible for the players because that's what they want to see is visuals of the guys they idolize and where they're trying to go. So happy to talk with anybody. Um, it's on teachtapes.org slash consulting. And we've been fortunate enough to work with Division One, One AA, Division Three, and some of the best high school programs in the country already. So let's get it going. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. So hit me with this, right? You're coming out of, you know, playing days. You understand the passion for coachings there. You get the chance to go to Memphis, right? The starting point with Norvell all the way into moving into the full-time role when that staff kind of splits and grows internally from there. Number one, what was the eye-opening thing of like, hey, you'd only seen one way to run a college football program, right? A lot of ways that you can be successful. One, what was that eye-opening thing when you got to the building in Memphis with that crew? And two, why do you feel like you were prepared for that moment to be full-time? Obviously, there's a lot of times behind the scenes where you're like, I can do this. I got it. Where did you feel like, man, I'm ready? Like, tell me what those experiences were. To be honest with you, I don't know if I was I was ever ready. Like, I always thought I really was in my head. I told myself I was from freaking day one. But the biggest thing when I got there was I didn't know what I didn't know. Like, it was so crazy. Like, I had no idea that I didn't know so much about football in general. And so when I get in there, I'll never forget Kenny Dillingham telling me when I, like, right before, because him and Norvell were both, like, kind of the reason I got out there. I'll never forget. I think I was on my way out there, and I had a phone conversation with him or something, and it happened super fast. Like, they called me, and I was out there a week later, and I think he told me, like, hey, just so you know, like, when you come in, just, man, just know you're you're coming in to keep your head down and work and, and learn ball and, you know, make sure you know when it's your time to speak up and those type of things. And he didn't say it in a mean or derogatory way. It was just like, that was the fact. That was the truth of what it was. And when I got there, I really understood what he was saying by that. Because if I would have spoken up, I had no idea that I didn't know like a damn thing about ball at that time. You know, I leave college as a five-year guy, just like feeling like I know some coverages and knowing how to find some spots and stuff like that as far as getting open. You know, and then a little bit with Atlanta, like I, I feel like I've learned quite a bit, but the overall scheme of everything is where my eyes and my mind, like I was just so mind blown of what football really is. You know what I mean? Like, shoot, just the box in general. I was always like, yo, it's just five guys in the box. You big boys, you block them and let's roll. So getting there and just figuring all that out that like, holy smokes, I got a long way to go. And so I got there and it was honestly a, a moment with myself of just like, hey, you got to either like nut up and do this and it's going to be a grind because we had to work and grind and all that stuff but like we had to at the same time I had a long way to go myself of things to learn so I had to own up to that and just be like dang I don't know anything so it was a different style of offense and all that stuff so like having to learn the offense in general getting comfortable with the guys seeing a couple different coaches in their meeting rooms and all that stuff and then 
probably it was really probably after the first year I was there, but really into midway into my second room when I really started to pick things up and I felt really confident in the offense we were running and knowing the players and if I got an opportunity to run meetings, even if it was just for two minutes while a position coach had to like do something else, you know, and I got to start the meeting off, like any opportunity I was given, making sure I made the most of that. Like there's no job that's too small. And that's like one thing Norvell was huge on, man. And I respect the heck out of that guy because he gave me an opportunity for one, but like everything that I learned from him was, man, it's through the roof. Like the amount of things, like I can't even begin to, to touch it all, with ball for sure but with the whole other aspect of running a whole building in a program, like that guy was phenomenal. Talk about running a building to now you're running a meeting room, right? So you yeah. got the groundwork, you were there, they know who you are. Tell me where you felt like in your position room, whether it be when you were with the tight ends that first year or the receivers the second year, like that group, like, Hey, he's one of us. Like, this is our guy. Like whether it was a drill, whether it was after a game, heck, it could be in the Memorial Day softball game that everybody puts out, hey, this guy gets it, right? And that's a strength of yours of like being able to relate and bring positive energy. Where did you feel like as a full-time guy, you kind of had that moment of like, we're one room? I don't know if there was a moment, but it like happened over time. Like those guys, those coaches started to trust me. And like, even like coach Johns, who's at Duke now is the OC there. He played a big role in me getting an opportunity to become that full-time guy whenever our staffs were switching over. And so like, there was times when he gave me opportunities to speak in front of the room, right? Whether it was coaches or in front of the whole offense or just the receivers or whatever. So it was really during those moments that, like I said, I really tried to grasp it. And when you get an opportunity like that, man, you step up and you act like you've done it a million times before, no matter if you're nervous or not, like you speak, you get up there with confidence and you roll because at the end of the day, the kids is, if you get up there with confidence, they're not going to know whether you are or not. Luckily that coach, like I said, coach Johns, those guys that gave me opportunities to talk about things that I knew what I was talking about, or at least felt confident in, I felt like I was being looked at as a guy that had potential to do that and so to make the jump into a position meeting room so it was like any opportunity I got to run a room like I said for two minutes five minutes whatever it was the whole thing like I made sure that I dug into that had the best cut up had the best thing ready to go whatever it was you know so I don't know if there was just a certain moment of that but because of those opportunities I was given really before I became full-time I felt like from the moment that I did step into a room that I was already able to connect with those guys with confidence and running meaning for whatever reason just like having a remote in my hand in a meeting room is and connecting with guys and knowing when to be serious and keep it lax and point out details versus the overall scheme like that was something of watching coach Dunn do it here forever uh, and those guys. But then when I got to Memphis for a couple of years and watching those other coaches do it, man, I felt like I was really confident in what it took to get the guys to understand or follow or all gel in the meeting room, whatever you want to call it, you know? So I think it was just kind of a, a deal that happened over time. Like anything else, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and then it rears itself in the best or the worst ways based on what you did beforehand. So sure. Glenn, I'm going to go into something a little bit more recent and you're at Oklahoma State coming from Memphis, right? However, that situation shakes out. I'm sure there's things that you're thinking out of leaving that full-time opportunity and now being in the analyst role, right? What have you learned, whether it was immediately after that about yourself or even just now of like taking a breath and man, that opportunity is gone, right? I got to find another way to learn and grow people that I trust back in Stillwater. Like how have you now internalized that and taking that into a positive moving forward. It's still an opportunity, man. I'm still a part of a, of a big time program that I still have a piece of the puzzle, no matter how small it is or how big it is. Like 
like I said, there's no job too small. So for me, it's coming in and learning, like there's some things of the system that are the same, but there's a whole lot of new. So for me, it's an opportunity to learn new ball, new terminology, heck the way that a different staff is in a meeting room, like whether it's full staff, offensive staff in position meetings with other coaches and how they handle themselves, like taking notes from that. So I think for me, it's just an overall, like, kind of step back to square one when I first got to Memphis like sit back observe and then realize like when your opportunity presents itself like you want to make a good impression but at the same time make sure you're up to speed with the things that are going on and like you know when it's time to speak up and when not I don't know like just literally take it all in because who knows where else I'll be in 10-15 years and right. and something no matter what it is that I could learn here in one meeting or throughout this whole few months so far it could help me down the road so for me it's just been an observation man of just like seeing a whole new staff and how it works like you said i've really only been at one other college program on the coaching side of it right so it was good and all but it's a whole new opportunity now so everything's an adjustment every staff is different there's got to be tweaks whether it's the nil the transfer portal even just where different guys are coming from right you got to transfer a quarterback more mid-years than you ever had before so you got to learn in real time i'm really impressed with just knowing you from back then to now of man true slot receiver like all day long coach tight ends right back to your roots with a full receiver room. And now you're working, you know, with coach Wozniak in the running backs room. And he's a great coach in and of himself, but you talked about, you know, the big fellows, they're going to figure their stuff out before, like back when you were 22 and, and playing, right. Now you're a part of that whole world, right. In the backfield. What have you learned even in your, just your four months in Stillwater running back room specifically, right. Being able to right, coach yeah. all those offensive skill rooms. Yeah, man, the running backs, and I've said this for a while, and I never really, ever since I learned tight ends, that was one of the best things for me coaching-wise ever was having to learn to coach tight ends and just get right into it and having to learn pass pro and run schemes and yada, yada, all that stuff. But but now being in the running back room, man, like I think people just have a misconception of what the running backs are. People think it's hand the ball to a running back, get downhill, run, make people miss, and that's where like running backs, it, you know, it's not that hard to coach. But it's the total opposite, man. Like, again, you have to know pass pro. You got to know run schemes, right? You got to know pass concepts. So, like, receivers, all they really know is, is concepts, right? Like, you got to know who to block every now and then on some plays and screens and yada. But, like, the running backs have to know everything. They have to know communication with the O-line, communication with the quarterback to the O-line. They got to know what the tight end's going to do in the pass pro. Is he getting out? Is he not? Yada, yada. Are you chipping? You know, we put you out in the slot. What's the route now? What route am I running? Am I running this route because it's two by two or it's three by one? Like there is so much that goes into it, right? So being in here has been phenomenal for me so far. And Coach Waz does a great job of communicating with these guys and because it, it can be overwhelming in my opinion like you come in here to a running back room and like and when I'm first coming in trying to adjust to it and these guys are just you know you got the players just throwing stuff out there and they're just talking about route concepts and then the pass pro and the run schemes and like it's nothing and to me that's super impressive because it's I think it's a total misconception of what running backs are and the jobs they have to do and like the knowledge they have to obtain when it comes to the offense because they have to know everything like literally everything other than maybe the quarterback reads like they got to know everything. And at times there's times where they kind of got to be heads up with what the quarterback is doing too, just to even have an idea. Like, do I really even have a chance to get it here in this mess? Yeah. It might be an RPO, but based off the look, am I really even going to get this? Do I need to step up abort the mesh quick and get to, you know, get to my pass pro or whatever it is. So it's been really good for me to learn from these guys in the room, like learning the players and how they view things too. Cause the players are, man, these dudes are super smart. So like I said, how Waz communicates to them man, is awesome. So it's great. I'm smiling here. I'm thinking back in your playing days, like 
how many times did you see a running back on like early 10 stick move into the quarterback's throwing arm, right? Being ready for the draw action. And he's ready to rip the stick because the mic stayed in the box. Like, and, and you're like, God damn, like, can't you guys just figure this out? And now you're <laughs> in that room. And um, last thing I want to end on, right? You were in the returner world. I mean, you're talking about Devin freaking Hester talking about punter footwork and ball rotation. Man, in the running back room, number one thing's the ball, right? What is something that you've really learned at any of these stops about protecting the football? Right. What is something that's really lasted with you, whether it's a fundamental, a philosophy or just the way you guys just stay in the back of that guy's mind. of That's the team's football. The ball is the program. It's a fact. It's the number one thing they taught it. Like you get to Atlanta, the first thing you learn is the ball is everything. That was Coach Quinn, Dan Quinn, you know, the D.C. of the, the Cowboys. Now you, you came in there. They, they had like two main rules. I don't even remember what the other rule was because I knew the ball was everything. Right. Like that was it. And so when it came to whatever else you were doing, man, the ball was everything. And there was lots of slogans, man. And people have all their fundamentals of ball security. It's all great. Like there's hearing Coach Norvell say own the ball like those. However many times you say it a day, like that does not leave your head. Good. And you're having PTSD like the ball's a program. Like I've heard it enough times like coach the ball's a program. I. I don't know what meeting room I'm in, but that stuck with you. So I love it, man. I'm glad to see you're doing well. It's been awesome to kind of reconnect a lot more since you've been back in Oklahoma. Wishing you nothing but the best, man. Keep learning and uh, tell the fellas to settle up. Yeah, you're the man, Hauser. Appreciate you, man. All right, buddy. Talk soon. All right, brother. We'll see you. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective. So I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www.teammofo.com demo and mention Coaching Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code CC10 to receive 10% off your first year. Steve, great job on this conversation in the series as a whole. Let's talk first about the big things that you took away from this conversation that other coaches can really learn from and apply to that, what they do within this profession. Yeah, I thought it was incredible for how casual David said, like he called them tidbits. You know, I've heard people call them nuggets, but like, you know, he got a chance to do a NFL training camp with the Falcons and he is in the same receivers room as Julio Jones. And he's talking about, you know, leveling his eyes of Glidden saying like, Hey, I've always had to work on my ball skills, right? I'm a body catcher, you know, take it or leave it. You know, you can talk all day about how to get better at that, but, Man, just that confidence at the catch point of Julio is telling him to get his cleats back in the ground so he can get upfield, right? You're killing time. You're a sitting duck by jumping up, and now you can't do anything with it. Or he's talking about, you know, being a punt returner in training camp and listening to Devin Hester talk about a punt, a punter's foot, you know, how he's swinging across his body or his steps and knowing, you know, how to be a threat back there. Like, you can't pay for those experiences. He's talking about, you know, the ball is the program, and he's like, I don't even remember what the second rule was. He's like, all I know is like having like PTSD flashbacks, like balls the program, right? Like nothing else matters. And, you know, he's learning from Kyle Shanahan and Mike LaFleur and, 
you know, Mike McDaniel, like there's a lot of people that have been able to influence him even outside of the college world. And, you know, he mentioned just going back to high school, right? He went from an NFL training camp to living back at home and, you know, coaching high school ball and, and really realizing this is what I want to do long term. So one of the last notes I had, Keith, was Glidden's tone was just so appreciative and respectful of the growth and opportunity people have provided him. I think the other thing I, I really stood out to me is being in that building in Stillwater a lot is just the atmosphere that those guys have created, right? You can keep learning, right? Nothing is automated, but when you have principles and foundations of what you want to stand for, like it becomes a lot easier to make those small adjustments and stay on top of your game. You look back at the Teachable Moments series as a whole, what were the, the big takeaways from the whole thing? Things that, wow, this is what this series really was, and this is how this can help me and help our listeners as coaches. Keith, it's a great excuse to, to call your buddies. Right? I mean, be a human. Like sometimes like myself, I'm speaking, you know, I told the players, like when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself as a reminder, like, man, I got so wrapped up in the computer sometimes of like the breakdowns and the drawings and the practice plans and the, you know, opponent breakdown. And it's like, man, it's about the people you're in the building with. You know, my wife always joked about like, you take one person with you from every stop. There's one person that you're always going to stay friends with, check in on how they're doing there's so many guys that, that I'm texting and having these conversations with while people are on the road right now that, you know, the windshield time, so to speak, where there's no other responsibilities, like, man, enjoy the people that you do it with. Keep learning. I was talking to guys, you know, there's guys in the Mac and the big 10 and, you know, they were at, they were competing against each other and now they're going into high schools as if they were wearing the same logo and going through their area together and, you know, having breakfast and having lunch and, you know, just, enjoying the community even though I'm not in it in the building the people it's so it's such a good place to to learn and be a part of so I, I just appreciate the guys for giving me a chance to slip back in for these 30 minute segments yeah these were great Steve and I appreciate the time that you put into them I know for you it was a great experience as well I want to remind our listeners to go to teachtapes.org and see all that Steve is doing here and building a great library of content that can help you regardless of what level you're at. Uh, we had some notes in that in what we talked about during the podcast and all of these, so I think it's worth checking out. Again, that's teachtapes.org. Steve, thank you again. I look forward to more collaborations with you in the future. Awesome. Thanks again, Keith. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes and resources. In addition, we have articles and our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.